You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast, making your experience with electronic drums that much easier. Hello and welcome to eDrumInfo. I'm here with Toby Goodman. Hello, Toby. Hello. So, uh, we're here to talk about pads, I believe. Yeah, cool. So the first thing that I asked you was, why are we talking about pads first? And you gave me a really good answer, I think. Okay, the reason why we're doing pads is pads are the part of the electronic kit which people have most contact with. They don't look at the module as much as the pads, or at least... I hope they don't. They should be looking more at the pads because those are the bits they're hitting. Um, so that's why we're going to do pads first because it's the most visible part of the kit when you're playing. Sure. Okay, cool. So uh, we know there's loads of different types of pads. Um, some look uh, completely different and are very similar to each other and some look quite similar and are very different to each other. Is that right? Uh, it is. It is. I mean, before we go any further, I ought to stress, if you're listening to this going, oh, no, they're just going to talk about drum pads, um, there's more to it than that. What I wanted to get into this podcast is different pads can help you do different things. Some pads are very good at certain things. Some pads are very bad at certain things. So, um, uh what we want to do is show you the benefits of using different sort of pads and how they can help you. It's not always just the thing which you buy in the shop. So that's cool. So what I'm going to do to make sure that this, because I'm looking at your notes and thinking, crikey, I don't know what any of this means. So to ensure that we speak English all the way through this, Simon, I'm just going to give you some situations and you're going to tell me the answer in pad version. Is that cool? That sounds good. All right. So here I am. I'm a drummer and I've been told um, that I'm in a situation where I'm not allowed to use my real drums, boo-hoo, very stressful, um, and we'll stay away from cymbals for now, but if I've got to have a kind of bass drum, snare drum and a few toms type situation, what kind of pads do I need for that to make me feel most at home, I suppose? Okay, it depends on... Uh, what sort of situation it is. If you need it to look like drums, then there's certain things you've got to do. If it doesn't matter, if it's a studio situation, it doesn't matter what you hit. But the where the big difference comes is on stage, um, because the look is very important, and the what they do is very important, and the, the positive points of different pads is very important on stage. Okay, so let's start with it not being a stage thing, because... There are quite a few guys, I suppose, that are looking to do, uh, that may be being called, certainly I can think of the theatre guys, no one really cares what it looks like, they're in a room somewhere or they're understage. So let's take away the aesthetic for now and just talk about, you know, you need to emulate an acoustic drum kit, doesn't matter what it looks like, what do I need to know? It doesn't actually matter in that situation what you hit. It can be rubber pads, it can be mesh pads, it can be whatever you are comfortable with. Um, and this is partly one of the very important things is it doesn't have to be exactly the same as what you see in the shop. You can buy the different parts that you need to make the kit that you need that feels good for you. So that that's totally cool. So it's kind of whatever feels best or whatever. But if you know that what feels best to me is hitting a real drum... Where would you suggest I started? Oh, we are opening a Pandora's box here. <laughs> um, right, okay. Uh, what we got is, well, <clears throat> there is nothing that is exactly the same as a real acoustic drum. The only thing which feels and looks and sounds like an acoustic drum is an acoustic drum. However, you can go pretty far down each path 
to get the feel, the look, the sound um, of that acoustic drum. Um, for instance, you could have your acoustic drums, um, you could take the normal heads off and you could put mesh heads on, which are pretty quiet, and put some triggers on, and you could use those as electronic drums. So it looks like an, an acoustic kit, but you have the control of a electronic kit. So I've got... I've got two in my studio right here. I've got two mesh head situations, uh, which I feel very differently about. Um, one of them is a mesh head on an electronic pad, which is um, made by D drum, which you can't get these anymore new anyway, that's for sure. But um, they've got a mesh head on and underneath that mesh head, they've got what, what I believe to be quite sort of firm foam. Yeah underneath and then i've got some real drums in here with with mesh heads with identical mesh heads but of course they feel completely different yes there there is um right again second pandora's box of the podcast this is going pretty well um mesh heads there's a lot we can say about mesh heads now i'm not uh, i'm not knocking them i'm not i'm i'm just um I want to stress the good points and the bad points. We should be clear on what a mesh head is, I suppose, just in case people are. Yes. Okay. Well, right. So a, a mesh head is a woven uh, nylon uh, mesh, as the name suggests, and it's mounted in the hoop of a drum head, and you mount it on the drum in exactly the same way, but uh, as a normal drum head. But when it's actually on the drum, you can actually see small holes in it you can see the weave um and you can actually blow through it if you put your lips to it and blow the air goes through that's part of the sort of the whole thing of mesh heads is they let the air go through. i've never blown through a mesh head before but i'll take i'll take your word for it but this is basically like a pair of tights isn't it like a thick pair of tights yes it is and uh imagine a, a sort of a trampoline that sort of thing it's it's that woven material and what makes it feel the way it does is each one of those strands stretches and it stores up the energy and throws the stick back. So they feel quite, well, they still feel very bouncy. So they literally do say it's like a trampoline. For me, it feels like playing a trampoline. It feels more like playing a trampoline over a real drum because there's no sort of deadening underneath than it does on the sort of pad because the pad with all the electronic stuff inside it, it kind of kills the bounce, if you like. But the on a real drum um, and on some, some pads... Um, that you can get they are they're just very very bouncy yeah the, the the reason why they feel that way is if you think about a normal drum head it's one piece of plastic it can only stretch one way um with a, a mesh head there's hundreds of bits of nylon and they all stretch slightly differently so that's why if you push your finger in it actually forms a sort of a crater around your finger if you did the same thing on a real drum head it doesn't do that because it's got less stretch to it. So that's why it feels so bouncy, because it can stretch in so many different ways. That's a very technical <laughs> explanation of a mesh head. I apologise for that. Uh, it's, like a tr- it's like a trampoline. It's yes. the end of it, isn't yes. it, really? Okay, cool. Indeed. Carry on, then. Okay, um, so you can have these on your acoustic drums, stick triggers on, and you can play them pretty quietly and uh, treat it like an electronic kit that looks like an acoustic kit. So that's one option. So we'll get to the triggers a bit later, but essentially with a trigger, you're putting something over the top of 
of of the mesh head or the drum skin and that's got the electronic bits in it whereas the pad it's sort of underneath and you can't see it yes so on an electronic pad the electronics are inside the pickup the sensor this thing i'll you'll hear me refer to uh, called a piezo um that's underneath and that detects the vibration a drum trigger is something which clips onto the normally the rim of the drum presses against the head and the piezo is in there and that picks up the vibration of you hitting it you're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast. Okay, so there's the mesh head thing, which we've talked about a lot. Yeah. So what else is there? I mean, mesh heads are, are pretty new, really, aren't they, I suppose, in terms of the other electronic pads that we're talking about. So so what else can we do? Yeah, sort of 1996 is when they first sort of came onto the market. But the patent for mesh heads, no one seems to believe me when I say this, but you can look it up in the patent office. The patent on a mesh head was 1864. Um quite a long time ago i think you'll agree um so it's nothing new yeah mesh heads are not new mesh heads have been around for over a hundred years um so yeah so that's one sort of um that's one sort of thing uh then you've got the the mesh head thing is something called a a, we're getting a little bit technical here um a a non-reflection plate pad don't worry about that at the moment we'll come back we'll come back okay okay um right um, the other sort of thing is rubber pads. Basically, it's a lump of rubber with the piezo pickup underneath, and you hit the rubber, and the, the um, there's normally a plate of uh, either metal or plastic underneath. That senses the vibration of you hitting the rubber, and the pickup is mounted on that, and that's called a reflection plate because it receives all the, the, the um, vibration and reflects it into the pickup. Getting quite technical here, sorry. Okay, so is that good? Well, it's good, it's very cheap, um, and if you want a pad that feels really positive when you hit it, then get a rubber pad. For triggering loops, personally, I find a rubber pad is great for triggering loops, because it's a really positive click, you know when you've hit it. I don't personally like triggering loops from a mesh head pad, because it just doesn't feel positive enough. There's not that impact, that, that jarring up the arm that I know that the loop has started. So it's yeah, okay. different it's different sort of things. This is one of the things um saying about different pads for different jobs. If you want to trigger loops, use a rubber pad. If you want to trigger drum sounds, mesh is fine. Fine. Okay, so are we staying then? And you got everyone's got to take a view and everyone's gonna have a different view. But but my question at the beginning is, all right, I've got a gig, I need to feel as at home as possible, and it needs to basically don't worry about loops or any of that stuff, just playing an acoustic drum kit which is sampled or whatever it is we'll deal with that later but i just need to feel as at home as possible because i'm a drummer are you gonna say get a mesh head kit no i'm gonna say go and try a load of stuff and see what there is i mean there's um Uh, there's different everyone prefers different things everyone you know one person will swear by a mesh head they'll say they're much more realistic Uh, and you'll get other people who i mean you can get uh, these reflection plate pads these that what i said earlier they described them as rubber pads you can also get pads which you've got silicon in um and they uh, they feel uh different they they feel they don't feel as bouncy as rubber but they feel much more more solid than a mesh head so it really depends on what you want you've got to go and try stuff so it's turning into a little bit of a kind of you know use what stick you feel comfortable playing with yes 
Okay, cool. So not one size fits all. And just because your favorite drummer in the world is playing one style of pad doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And you have to get over that pretty quickly and just find what feels right under your hands. Yes. And also the other thing is because it's not an acoustic drum kit, then don't try and recreate a, a, an acoustic drum kit. Do It's a tool. Yeah. Use it for whatever I mean, works. That's to- I totally agree with that, apart from the fact that some people say, we need electronics on this gig and you just want to kill yourself straight away if you're me. But that's, that's happened. You know that happens loads. Yeah. Happens loads in, in sort of theatres or places where there's sound. Even, you know, you even hear of kind of party bands doing, having that option because venues have noise limiters. And it's like, you know, we've got an X whatever db limiter here and we can't have live drums in fact i read that the other week about a venue and um it was very much you know electronic drums or nothing yeah so um so and that's happening more and more especially if you live in a in a built-up area in a city venues are and kind of councils are, are getting much more sort of uh aggressive with with noise limitations so so i suppose even even if you didn't sort of want to jump down the rabbit hole of getting really techy as a drummer, you might just have to sort of consider getting this together a little bit. Absolutely. It is so important from all ends of the, the drumming, I was going to say market, I don't think that's exactly the right word, but everything from um, you know playing in clubs to you know stadiums, the amount of um, you know really top big big bands that are using triggers um you know you we alluded to this in the last one um you know there's there's bands who are touring at the moment who um the drummer is hearing a totally different drum sound in his headphones to what the audience are um so you know it's and that's all done via triggers and you know different bits of electronics it's out there much more than most people realize yeah Sure. I've just sort of had a thought as well about, you know, just thinking about my own particular sort of struggle with this, because this is this is kind of partly like electronic drum therapy for me, because I've always struggled with it. So it's interesting. You, you think, you know, for me, I've always felt that, yeah, the mesh heads can be a little bit too springy and bouncy. Uh, and sometimes it, I kind of mind it less on some drums, and I feel like I might mind it a little bit less over on a floor tom than I would on a on a high tom or a, a snare drum maybe because because obviously on a standard acoustic sort of drum kit you do have a different feeling as you go around the drums because you're moving different amounts of air as you go around and also the tension of the heads and stuff like that so I suppose with a mesh head you do have uh you can kind of crank it up and with a rubber pad or, or loosen it off with a rubber pad it's kind of what it is and that's it right it is but um a little bit of research which i don't think has been made particularly public is um it doesn't matter so much about the feel of the pad drummers think it's really really important you know they want a mesh pad because it feels the way it does or they want a rubber pad or something else silicon pad or whatever else it actually isn't that important. It's more to do with the sounds. The more realistic the sounds you're triggering, the less the feel of the pad is important. If the sounds you're triggering are really rubbish, you want that pad to be as good a feeling as possible. But if you've got the most hyper-realistic sample drum sounds in your headphones, you could be playing that on rubber pads, cheap rubber pads, and you'd be very happy. It's a psycholo- It's a big psychological stereotype. Yeah. yeah, right, okay. That's really interesting and quite scary. 
Yeah, so I mean, it, that's the thing. It doesn't actually matter about what you're hitting. It's it's. Um, well, we're going to come back to what actually makes the sound later, but it's it's the yeah. actual drummer experience. All right. So here's here's another question for you that I'm thinking then. So so we've got these kind of different things. This piezo things, but yes. P I E Z O S. If anyone's interested, yeah. that's the that's that's the sort of pickup. Yeah. Uh, inside now, is that the same? Like, is that on everything, or did you say there was another one as well? Right, I think there, there, there are. But, I mean, just quickly, the pizos, you've probably seen them. They're about the size of a, a large coin. They're very thin. It's a round circle of uh, brass with a round piece of white stuff, which looks like paper stuck on one side, and a couple of leads coming off it. You can go down to, I mean, um, uh, Maplin if you're in the UK, or Radio Shack if you're in the US, or anything like that. You can buy these for about, I don't know, 20p uh, maybe uh, 30 cents i mean they're really really cheap and that is what makes pads work and the white stuff on the side is the actual piece of piezo crystal and all it does is when it's flexed when it's actually bent it generates a little electrical pulse and that's all that's all it is very, so what else simple. they use? What else they use for then? If I can buy them in Radio Shack or Maplin? Uh doorbells, um, doorbell buzzers. That it's used as a buzzer in uh, you know really cheap electronics. That's but that's that's when it's being used as a speaker. But you can also like anything, reverse you can it. yeah reverse it and put sound into it or vibration into it, and it'll generate a little pulse. Interestingly, just wow. while we're talking about speakers, uh, sorry, interesting for me, but then I'm a. This is my sort of yeah, yes. Um, uh, right, the original, the first electronic drums actually had speakers in them, and they they were the stick hit was actually detected by the speaker, um, and the speaker would go off into the electronics and trigger the sound. And the interesting thing you could do, or well, not so interesting, it's quite a pain in the neck if to do it. You could actually shout into the drum set, into the into the pad. The p the speaker would pick up your voice and and trigger. So, ah. uh, so, uh, and you would hear your voice coming through the PA with the sound of the drums mixed in with it, and it was right. very strange. So, so to trigger, like define trigger, because we use that word a lot, and have we defined it? I don't know. No, we haven't. Right. So, to trigger a sound means, or to trigger a piezo means, you are hitting something, striking something, or or generally making something move, vibrate, and that is sending off a little electronic pulse which goes down to some electronics which we call the brain or the module and generates a sound. It doesn't actually you're not actually listening to the sound of the drum pad when you're hitting it. Just the drum pad is is acting like a switch basically and it's just sending a little pulse down the cable and the module or the brain goes, "Ah, oh, this pad's been hit. I must generate this snare drum sound, bass drum sound, cymbal sound, whatever else." Got it. And that's, I can remember you sort of saying that to me. That was the big thing for me when you said, look, all these things are just big switches. Yeah. So they really are just big switches. And they're a little bit clever because they, they know if you think of it as a doorbell then or a, or a door sort of knocker, whatever, you're, you're, you're just, you can tell how, how urgently someone wants to get in your house by how hard they're knocking on the door or whatever, how hard they're ringing. So, I mean, but that's all they are. They are just switches that actually detect whether you, they've been hit quietly or loud or hard. Cool. It's okay. very simple. You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast, making your experience with electronic drums that much easier. So the sort of number one problem that, or, that I've always had is 
is the kind of di- dynamic response, I suppose, which is the um, the how hard or soft part of it. And and for me, I've never been able to quite get it to to where I've wanted. So again, if we just sort of think about a snare drum and uh, electronic snare drum, and I'm just tapping it really lightly, and I can't hear it yet, and then suddenly I kind of give it a good thwack, and I can hear it, but it's it's not quite right. There's there's a whole kind of uh, space between silence and level one that I always miss and have to adjust um, my playing to. So what's, I mean, have you got any answers to that? Cause... Right. Yeah, we could spend uh, probably about four or five podcasts on just getting this right, but it would be so boring. But it would, it, unfortunately, it's one of those things. It's really important and probably 90% of people who play electronic drums do not get this right. So you are in very good company. Um, people mm. don't, understand the dynamics and how it can work and everything else an electronic drum by its very nature will not have the same dynamic range from quiet to loud as an acoustic drum so you can't to be totally honest you can't expect it to and what most people do is when when they're setting up the dynamics like you've just said there about from playing it very quietly um uh you can't blow on the head and get it to to trigger cleanly it's just not designed to do that electronic drums aren't that clever however there is a way around it and i'm not saying it's it's a it's a, an answer to everything but we've just been talking about pisos um pisos are one way of triggering uh, and okay. you know, th- there's this other way called fsr uh, which is a force sensing resistor. It's a it's a plastic film that is very very sensitive, but it's much more expensive. So it's a trade off. You can either have something which is really really hypersensitive and does everything you need it to, but it's much more expensive, or you can have something cheap and cheerful, which works for eighty percent of the time. Okay. So it's it's there's no easy answer, I'm afraid. All right. Well, well then you know if if money's no object, you're saying FSR all the way. Hmm. <laughs> no, I'm afraid I'm not. I mean, for certain things, I don't know if uh, if any if, if you, Toby. I mean, you probably know the the drum cat. Um, for those of you who don't know the drum cat, the drum cat is a, a metal box. Um, it's probably uh, about forty centimeters wide. I don't know, um, and it's got this this array of rubber on top, which looks it's, like Mickey yeah. Mouse ears. And it's a ma- it's a it's supposed to be an amazing piece of gear, and I've seen people use it amazingly. And I've owned one for a time, and it's you know it feels great. And you set mine up for me when I owned one, and it was amazing. But I didn't have the science degree that I needed to uh, sort of degree in computer engineering to actually get round the how to work it. So it, yes. it had to go. Absolutely, that's the thing. Um, a lot <laughs> of a lot of companies do not realise that drummers just want to hit the on button and start yeah, playing. Still a drummer. So the so the problem with the cat for me at that at that time. Uh, was that I just didn't have the the patience to deal with it. So I had kind of like, I met up with you however long ago it was, you know, coming up, oh God, possibly close to 10 years, I don't know. And you're, and you're saying, oh, uh, yeah, this is great. Check this out. And you set it up and I'm like, yeah, oh, my God, it's actually amazing. I just want to change that sound. Uh, and then I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't kind of get my head around it because it was, the display is tiny and you can't work out what's going on so yeah but the, but it did feel amazing and the, so the, that was fsr right yeah right the thing with with fsr is um it it generates 
it, it works in a totally different way and it's incredibly quick and incredibly good dynamics so it, you can do a buzz roll on it and it'll track it it will follow your buzz roll absolutely perfectly it can't actually miss trigger it's a physical impossibility for it to miss trigger unless uh-huh. there's a serious problem okay so it just can't go wrong but it's expensive it only comes in a few devices it's still under patent so there's only one company who really licenses it um uh if you've seen the the cat stuff as we just said the aquarian in head and on head that is um fsr built into drum heads or practice pads wow um and they're you know the triggering is phenomenal it's brilliant it will track everything you can do with a stick whether it's quiet or loud the only thing is it makes the head incredibly expensive or or much more expensive than a normal head and and the aquarian i've not tried this uh, i've not tried it or seen it but the aquarian in head it's literally in a drum head so the drum head is like it's doing two things. It's acting as an acoustic drum head and it's got this film in, which is amazing. And yes. it triggers sound. So that's, I can think of loads of gigs that I've done in the past that it would have been amazing for. But presumably one of the problems is, even though it's really expensive, is because it's a head, it wears out and starts sounding crap after it's sort of... Right, no, it's not that. Gigs. It's not. The, the problem is with FSR is it relies on very, very thin... Um, electronic tracks inside the head if you look at one closely you can see all these minute little lines and it only takes one of those little lines to break and Ah. then then the fsr will stop working so it's quite fragile but while it works it's phenomenal but the other thing is because it's got this extra layer inside the head the head's quite thick and acoustically the head doesn't sound as musical if you're used to a thin single ply head it won't sound the same so uh sort of discounting the electronic part of it um and thinking that you know obviously the aquarium stuff's great um the remo equivalent of the sound of that is it more like a pinstripe sound would you say yes or even thicker yeah. or even thicker it's actually like thicker than a pinstripe yeah you know aquariums tend to be my experience of aquariums is that they're a little bit thicker they're sort of you know equivalents are a little bit thicker would you say that's a fair it's a slightly different plastic so it's um uh so it does give a different sound it's a little bit i find it a little bit stiffer and it's actually I, i've got to be open here i, I actually use aquarium um uh and they're the sound i like i really like that sound um it's not too bright and plasticky for me um so it, but when you've got these layers and then you put the extra FSR layer in, it can just make it a little bit too thick. I prefer thin heads. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. That's interesting. So so basically they cost a lot more to invest in. And if we do it this way, we're not we're not solving the silence issue. No. Um and we are potentially um turning because we can hear a real drum, we might be laying into it more than we would if it was just a, a rubber pad. And so therefore we might damage it quicker. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's if you don't break heads, you're not going to break yeah. an FSR pad. But it, it's yeah. just it's just something else to be, to, aware. To be aware of. And also, yeah, sure. we drummers, we do worry. I mean, if, we, if you're tr- using a lot of <laughs> electronics on stage, you we are, yeah, you're going to yeah. be going, right, what pad is not going to trigger properly for me tonight or something like this? Yeah, yeah. And if okay. you're actually hitting that, the drum head really hard then yeah it's gonna break yeah it's interesting isn't it? so it, it's it's all about kind of the type of play you are and again if you if you want to take that risk and and i i feel like and this could be a totally wrong and total gross generalization but it almost feels like 
the heavier players tend to expect a thicker head, so they're going to hit it harder. And the lighter players um, are normally the sort of single ply guys that like a sort of slightly more open sound. Is that fair or is that rubbish? No, that's that's absolutely true. Okay, cool. Because I wouldn't ever want to say, you know, uh, uh, when I'm teaching and people say, you know, jazz is boring and quiet, I'd kind of laugh and play them. Some Tony know, Williams. Some Tony Williams, exactly, yeah. or whatever it is. So, so you know, you can't you can't talk about it as a genre thing specifically, but you can talk about maybe just the tone you're after. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Cool. That's interesting. So FSR, uh, and that's sort of inner drum head. So they've got something else called on head. On head is the same material, but it's actually built into a sort of a practice material, a practice pad, which you actually put over your existing drum heads. On your so real I kit. get rid of so I get rid of the acoustic drum sound completely. Yes, but at the same time you raise up the level of the drum head surface by a centimeter or so. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but if you suddenly imagined that all your drums were centimeter higher, it's just a little bit different, and it's not it's not a hundred percent comfortable. Why don't I just put them down a centimeter lower then? You can do that. And that would be all right. But you know what us drummers are like? We're very lazy and we don't like to do that. This kit is set up how I want it to be. Yeah. So is that basically it's fine, but it's a bit of a ball like if I'm switching between the two during a gig. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Cool. Because otherwise you would just kind of deal with it. Yeah. Um, okay. That That's really interesting. So on here, I have no idea how much this stuff costs. That's the thing. I mean... Uh, because we're talking to people who are um, uh, in different countries, it's it's hard to say. But you're going to be talking uh, if you're used to a conventional drum head. The sort of FSR drum heads, the Aquarian on heads, in heads are going to be quite a bit more. Um, the cats are going to be more than a, a probably other cheaper piezo pad controllers, but the performance is is really really good so there's a trade-off go and check out this stuff so go and check out um cat go and check out a cat um a drum cat i'm talking these, these are the old cat not the sort of the new chinese built uh cat electronic kits are, they, are these still being made the, the cat stuff uh they are they are um yeah they're still being made in america um and yeah they're great i've i can i can if i turn around 90 degrees i can actually see one in this room um they're they're really really good but they don't suit everyone it's like everything everything in electronic drums really really everything good in life mate everything yeah. in life yes that's true that's true okay. i mean come on um i'm just trying to find one on like google or something just to see just put a dr all right put drum cat dk10 in that is the cheapest one uh and to be honest i think it's the best one because it doesn't have all the complicated menus it's really really simple um yeah so google google a picture of cat uh, k-a-t um dk10 and you'll see what i mean right i'm gonna do that in a second but i've just found the aquarian inhead kick and snare yes so this is like an acoustic, and that I'm totally not advertising anything. I'm not even going to tell you where it's from, but I put it into Google Shopping, and I just found Aquarian in-head kick and snare. The, the snare is 14. Let's assume that it's a 22. No, it's a, it's actually a sensor, which actually goes on your normal bass drum. Head. Oh, huge. It's a, okay. it's a little bit different. It's, so it'll go on any size bass drum. Okay. So for those two products, or that kind of package, it's um, £231.39. Yes. 
that's a lot of, that's a lot more than 15 quid or whatever it is yes yeah so so you're gonna have to love the acoustics it's from the snare drum you're gonna have to kind of be prepared to perhaps lose some of what your beautiful snare drum that you love so much sounds like by it, putting this thing on it yes but the but the triggering is very very good as long as you're using sticks if as soon as you um if you use brushes the br- it don't work with brushes basically because the brush <laughs> as soon as you put a brush on it it thinks that's a, a trigger and it will just trigger continuously it'll just bloody you know. hell okay so that's a problem well it might be so yeah, okay. are piezos any good with a brush well, this is the thing. I mean, um, uh, Roland have uh, in for since the original TD10, you've been able to play brushes on the mesh heads, but you can only play nylon brushes. You can't play wire brushes, and nylon brushes are generally bigger, fatter, don't feel as normal um, as a as a wire brush. We yeah. people who use wire brushes all the time, you know, they're they're not they're quite thin, uh, very light and fast. Uh, nylon brushes generally pretty chunky so i don't know anyone who actually seriously uses brushes on an electronic kit yes it's possible but i've never never come across anyone who actually does it to the point where i can think of a couple of situations where there's been an electric kit and a, and just one snare drum just on the side that for brush stuff because it's just it's never going to be that you know those tunes aren't too loud so they let you in with it exactly and there's a little uh mic on the snare and yeah. yeah, so that's that's interesting. If cool. you if you have to play brushes, use acoustics. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there's an endorsement from a uh, electronic podcast drum thing. Cool. All right, mate. Okay. Good. And I've got an in head snare drum head on its own, presumably without all the gizmos that it needs. It's still at sort of seventy five pounds plus. Yes. So we're a talking lot a lot of money. of money, but you know the triggering. Like I say, the triggering is fantastic. But it's a trade-off. It's one of those things. How long will the head last you? Are you a really heavy hitter? Do you need to trigger really accurately? Uh, if you do, then absolutely great. If you're not paying for it, if the budget of the tour that you're doing is paying for it, then then great. Let's go for it. Right. And Cool. All right. And then Cat, I can buy... I haven't uh, seen Cat in shops for years. No. I mean, they, you can. You have to get them from Alternate Mode in the States. Alternate Mode... Um, Direct. Ma- yeah. Mario, who runs Alternate Mode, he's the guy who actually sort of holds the patent on on the fsr got um, it and there and how much is dk10 at the moment uh oh good question you'd have to have a look um they're not i mean i would say you're probably talking about 300 400 pounds something like that but you have a look at alternate mode.com for yeah, um, dk10 and are there other ones uh yes there's uh there's the cat uh sorry the drum cats there's the 3.0 which is quite old now um there's lots of different sources the higher up you go the more ridiculous the things that they do. I mean, some of them are just unbelievably powerful. They are all very unpowerful. Uh, It's whether you need to be able to trigger 5,000 notes at one time just by hitting, doing a press roll. So, yeah, the things that they seem to be really kind of on the case with are for sort of tuned percussionists yes and stuff like that they've got wicked you know the mallet cat and all that and there's even a pan cat for people that play steel yeah, pan and the trap cat as well is a big um, right, yeah. thing it's it's big and wide uh, you can play a whole kit it feels much more like a kit setup even though it's just a flat surface um uh, john atkinson um who is currently out with um, howard jones playing one of those uh really great things to play um 
you know, it's it's just horses for courses. Don't just look at the stuff you see in the, your drum shop and think that is an electronic kit. There yeah. is so much more out there which can really, really help you. And do I still need a science degree to work a trap cat? Me. Uh, <laughs> about me. Oh, no, what you, what you would do is you'd give me a call and I'd come over and set it up for yeah, you. But yeah, so it's bye. it's they're not they're <laughs> more for the the serious user. Don't get one for a you know, beginner. You. Um yeah, you'd, yeah all right. you'd, cool. you'd be all fine right. with it. You'd be fine with it. Be fine be fine with it. Just need counseling. But yeah, 26 pads in one place. Yes. It looks like that's nuts, isn't it? You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast. What's next? Moving on, um two more things just to mention. One is a hybrid um, not the hybrid that you are you, you read about in drum magazines. Something, uh, an instrument which is a hybrid. Basically, there's only one of them, and it's called the Korg Wave Drum. Um, yeah, and amazing. they are they are brilliant. I love them. Um, I have one here. Uh, it's a mixture of piezos, so the vibration sensors, a yeah. microphone, and yeah. also a pressure sensor. And you can play yeah. it with your hands. You can play it with sticks. You can play it with brushes, and it will accurately reproduce what you're doing and apply sounds to it but it's one of those things i as soon as the new wave drum came out i bought one and it's phenomenal yeah but i don't have many reasons to use it in yeah. a year i thought i was going yeah. to that's funny as well because i had uh Korg kind of lent me one for some gigs that i was doing and i was you know some percussion gigs you know because it's you can you know it's amazing with hands and, yeah. and stuff like that and i had a big you know, quite some quite big gigs that I had to do on, on percussion and amazing. They were really kind. They lent me one of the first ones and it was like, Oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. And because like you say, with the brush thing, you could do a brush thing on that because there's a mic inside it as well as this piezo thing, which I had no idea until you told me, but it's unbelievable. And yet it feels completely alien to anything you've ever played before in a great way. But, in the situation I was in, I ended up not using it because it was like learning, having to learn a new instrument. I was like, oh, I wonder if I could get a kind of slightly left field singer songwriter gig where I could get this together. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I don't know. I've got time. I've just got to do the gig because I'm just working for someone that's already got hits. And on those hits, a Korgway drum didn't appear. So it didn't make my life any easier in that situation. No, but it's one of those things. If you've got the time to sit down and learn it, it's it's phenomenal bit of equipment. I mean, it sounds it great. Be, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you had the, I believe you had the first one of the new ones in the Royal Albert Hall for those gigs. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yes. But I didn't, shh, I didn't, didn't plug use it. it in. I put it there and I was like, ah, I can't do it. And it, again, you know, again, just put electronics in front of my brain and, and I'm like, okay, no, I just need a shaker. Oh, I'll just pick up an actual shaker. But that... I would I would like one now again like thinking about it because it was such an amazing thing but it's finding the right musical application for it and if yeah. you did and you know perhaps it involved a little bit of traveling and flying around and you know getting on a tube but you knew that there was a PA and a decent monitor mm. you could get some killer killer sounds out of that thing actually while we're while we're talking about this um if you're listening and you want to see what a, a wave drum, a Korg wave drum, is capable of, just Google Pete Lockett yeah. Korg wave drum. What Pete gets out of a wave drum is just phenomenal. It's brilliant. I mean, it, if, it's, yeah. Just and to be fair, if you want to see what 
sounds is capable of getting out of anything that you can hit, just Google Pete Lockett. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I've uh, not seen that. It sounds really exciting. Yeah, have a look. Um, and then lastly, it starts with the last letter of the alphabet, so it seems a fitting place to to uh, to uh, end this, is the Zildjian. Zildjian Gen 16 symbols. These are metal symbols, but there's a lot of misunderstandings about what they are. Um, I'm sure you've seen them, Toby. Um, I'm sure most drummers have seen them. Um, they Normal symbols uh, with thousands, literally thousands of holes in them and then there's a little pickup which attaches through one of the holes and it screws together and that sends a signal down to a little box called a dcp digital symbol processor um okay. is there a piezo involved there is a sensor involved which is very very similar to a piezo yes okay so just to, just to be clear and I've, I've i've hit these and they are actually symbols let's be very very clear about yes. that They're real symbols with loads of holes in which means when you play them acoustically they are like 70% quieter than normal symbols. They're very quiet. Yeah. Yes. Great. I would say even on their own, without any of the electronic stuff that we're going to go into, an amazing ear-saving situation feel that feel really good and that are, you know, really cool for sort of anyone that anyone that's got a long day teaching, I would suggest uh, should invest in these. Yeah, I mean, they are. Um, oh, what's a good way of putting it? Right. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's actually two different versions. There's a new one. There's the L80s, which are actually eighty percent quieter uh, than normal symbols. But it's they are the only electronic symbols which really feel like symbols because they are symbols. They're metal. They, you know, it's a, they're yeah. a twenty-inch ride um, yeah. with a bell. You can crash it. You can ride it. You can play the bell. You can do anything else like that. But they're not. And this is really, really important. They are not sample triggers. You can't plug them into your Roland Yamaha, D-Drum, anything else modules and uh, and trigger samples. They don't work like that. Right, when, okay. When you are hitting the Gen 16s and when you are hearing the Gen 16s, you are hearing the sound of that metal vibrating through a pickup, then going some through some electronics to change the sound to be whatever you want so you have to if you want this setup you need to invest in their sort of module thing that comes with it too yes right okay so you can't unlike the other pads and bits and bobs you can't kind of uh cross uh contaminate if you no. will they're kind of different brand. you have to if you want that you literally have to buy the kind of uh, gizmos that go with the gen 16 yes. through children the pickups and okay. and the and the the processor yeah the dcp as they call it all right that's interesting. So that's another thing. So, but that's not really ele it's electronic, but it's not electronic symbols. It's it's something else. They call it AE, acoustic electronic. Um, so that's sort of a hybrid as well. So we've got the the wave drum, which is sort of a hybrid mixture of lots of things. The Gen sixteen symbols, which are sort of a hybrid. Then we've got the more pure mesh heads and uh, reflect uh, reflection plate, which are the rubber and all that sort of pads. So there's lots cool. of different things, and they've all got their uses. All right, so to sum up, I'm going to try and sum this up. Go for it's it. going to be difficult, but it's sum up. So, number one, most pads have got piezos in. Yes. Um, and they can be under mesh or under rubber. Yes. Um, so, from the point of kind of what is what is more sensitive and more whatever, it's actually, they're basically all the same, but... Uh, so, so what we've discovered is just whatever feels best to you, yes, is the one, and and what you've said and what I kind of agree with as well is, 
depending on the sound that you're looking to get from these things might depend on the feel that you want under your hand or your stick so we like you like and I, I agree with you you like electronic sounds or you don't mind electronic sounds coming out of rubber pads because you don't associate it with an acoustic feeling and so and you might prefer a more kind of mesh or silicon for an acoustic drum but that's just you or me that's not necessarily everyone else so we need to just basically take some time out and try all these things and and not necessarily follow what um, people are telling us to do in shops and just find out what feels right for us under under our sticks yes just because um uh, just because of a of a kit set up in a shop that is not what you should have what necessarily right one other thing just to finish with <laughs> sorry um one thing about pizos pizos work off vibration um and the thing that electronic kits do not like is vibration because if you set up on a stage and the, and the bass player plays really loudly and the stage vibrates, that will trigger your electronics. So yeah. the very thing that makes P electronic most electronic drum pads work is also their sort of nemesis. Down, their downfall. Their downfall. Yeah, and that is that like crosstalk and all that kind of stuff. Yes, which we need yes. to talk about on another time because that's oh a whole God. different issue. Yeah, so yeah, that's rough. Um, okay, we won't talk about that. Uh, okay, so next, back to my summing up. So next, uh, FSR is amazing, really sensitive. Brushes it doesn't do at all because it goes a bit nuts and is confused. But apart from that, for sticks and even the quietest of kind of uh, intonation and stuff like that, FSR is, is the one. But pretty much it sounds like you can only get FSR technology in a cat, which... Uh, is a sort of electronic thing that comes from alternate mode in the States and looks definitely nothing like a drum kit. Yeah. And is, in my experience, uh, you know, it will take you a little bit of time to learn the technology um, to kind of make it work for you. Otherwise, you can get some in-head or on-head from Aquarian and you just need to be aware that by doing that, uh, if you go in-head, it's going to dramatically change the sound of your acoustic drums if you're using them with a live sounding kit and on head it's going to sort of change the heights and stuff like that and it's going to be quite tricky on a gig to feel super comfortable if you're changing from an on head back to acoustic sound because the acoustic drums that you're playing need to be like a little bit lower so that might be a bit of a stress but you know if you can cope with that it sounds like they're amazing um cool wave drum is basically unbelievable in loads of ways but no one's quite worked out how to use it apart from pete lockett is that fair to say <laughs> i would i would uh, i would agree with that yes uh, and, and i'm sure some other amazing people as well um but yeah it, it's unbelievable it's basically like a completely different instrument and yes. I, I feel like if you treat it like that you'll you'll have a field day and if you expect it to be anything else you'll get a bit depressed uh and lastly we spoke about zildjian gen 16 who are the only real symbol company to get into this so far at this stage and you can't plug gen 16 symbols into anything other than uh zildjian's own kind of electronic module which i guess we'll talk about a bit later on um because of whatever some sort of technological reason that i don't know because, about. right because it's not triggering sound it's the sound of the actual metal vibrating that you're hearing yeah, and they kind of filter it through all sorts of other stuff yes I, I don't get it you can talk to me another time about that 
but that but the cool thing is they feel so much better definitely like there's absolutely no contest that playing a real cymbal and real bits of metal feel very very much nicer to play than uh, rubber um, yes. because no one uh, no one's really done anything to make a cymbal feel anywhere near a cymbal to to so my far. To my mind, yes. so far. And if you love your rubber symbols, um, then I'm really happy for you. Yeah, is that it? That's it, right? That's it. That's it. You've summed it up amazingly in about the last 10 minutes. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, I'll see you next time. Fantastic. Thank you for listening. And um, oh, we will uh, well come back and join us again very, very soon. Cool. Cheers, Simon. See you then. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to the eDrumInfo.com podcast. Making your experience with electronic drums that much easier.